0: a Scoreline Extra, the podcast that condenses some of the interviews that you've heard on KCLR over the weekend. We have Kilkenny post-match reaction to the Camogie team's victory over Dublin. Kieran Joyce discusses Kilkenny hurling team's chances in the All-Ireland series. Cliona Nash, Carlow Ladies Gaelic like footballer joins Robbie Dowlin. While Gavin Houlihan talks to myself, the Grimsy player from Kilkenny has been named in the FA Cup a team of the season, while the KDL chairperson Rob Hickton caught up with her head of sport, Ken Maguire. We'll start off, though, with Brian Dowling. Yeah, nice
1: Brian Dowling, congratulations. They're saying it's a lovely breeze over here you must have been baked over in the sideline conditions very hard out there but then again it's nice to be playing in Sunshine
2: I oh, definitely won't complain about that look I suppose it's, it's, it's hard on the sideline there and it's so hot so I can imagine what the girls are feeling but uh Look, we're delighted with the victory, I suppose. We came up here today to to get the points. You know, we knew the position we were in. If we didn't get him, we we're out of the championship, simple as that. So we had a job to do and we, we got it done, move on now till next week.
1: Talk to us about the game in general, because you could see that the intent was there right from the warm-up the minute the girls hit the pitch here in Parnell Park. He were determined to go away with the victory here and he certainly done that coming away three fourteen to 11 points and when he's conceding four points in the second half, good uh, return overall for yourself. Yeah,
2: look, we're extremely focused because we had to. You know, we knew we had to win today because I said, you know, we'd, we'd know chance any slip up and we're out of championship and you know, the girls are very focused we're very positive after the extra game we knew ourselves for the last 20 minutes we didn't perform I thought, you know, looking back on the match we played some brilliant hurling against Wexford got some great scores we were 10 points up and we just let it slip and look, we just had to use the learning curve and we, we looked at our mistakes and looked at the positives and, and said we had to build on it for this week and look we did I suppose the second half again wasn't, wasn't brilliant we would like to obviously push on a bit more and get a lot more scores but look um, it is what it is now and we have to move on and try and rectify that for Saturday night We
1: were just talking to Denise and she was talking about how down that she in particular was and I'm assuming the rest of the team probably felt the same after the last against Wexford how hard was it to motivate the girls to get back up here for the game today especially with the position that you were in and letting a 10 point lead drop all the way it, it still wasn't a loss
2: yeah, look, and that's, we said that in dressing after the match. We didn't lose; we led a point, and said to the girls, it was, it was still in their own hands. Whatever happens, we win our last two games, we top the group, and that's the position we're still in. We one game left, and you know we always said kind of tip game would be the one that that'll be the the big the, the, the game, and that's the way it is now. And look, it wasn't it wasn't hard to get motivated. We were everyone was extremely frustrated, disappointed after losing ten or giving away a ten point lead, and said, look, we had to wait two weeks to get out here today. We had a couple of brilliant training sessions, did loads of hurling there. We're we're very positive, and we just said, look, we have to. Wreck to fight that I think we showed intent there we got a couple of goal chances in the first half we went from you know, Denise looked over at me there for for the free as it go for the goal, she was hitting the right in training and she was absolutely taking it out of the top corner so yeah, a player like that I think you have to go for him and look, it was a big score obviously because I think it pushed it out to a 12 point lead which was great.
1: Her reaction afterwards as well said it all, was it I suppose a bit of frustration building up but also maybe there was some bits that was after being written about you possibly in newspapers and that before the game as well and she was talking about maybe a lack of respect that's coming for this team, I mean after all you are the year the are and All-Ireland champion so how do you feel about all
2: that stuff. Oh, look I suppose we, we use that kind of stuff and you know I suppose we're kind of used to teams writing us off over the last number of years. Um, but look again we look at ourselves and we set high standards with this group and we're very disappointed with what happened in, in Nolan Park two weeks ago. You know, in any game you can't be losing a ten point lead. Look, fair play to Exford that said it, but you know we look back on it and it was that was our own errors, simple mistakes, you know, not winning the rooks and things like that. And you know, we let in three goals, you can't let in three goals at this level and look we really sent out a message today that we weren't gonna let in a goal and fairness to ours in the backs. We kept thing sheet today which is brilliant so um look again we scored in 414 was it i think or 314, 314 whatever 14, 14. Yeah. so look we want to get a few more scores than that just points wise so but look there's a lot to work on we we won't get carried away with today like we didn't carried away after drawn against wexford so um we'll get the heads down now and, and try and get right for tip and
1: that's only seven days away next Saturday evening at six o'clock it's a home game against for you in UPMC in Nona Park what's the plan for the week uh,
2: look we'll train Tuesday and Thursday I suppose The way this year has been very strange. We've kind of had a lot of... We seem to be doing all... We seem to be training the whole time, I'd say. The girls are probably sick of us. But, um, look, training is going really well and we just feel we probably haven't had enough matches to get into a flow. So, look, I'm delighted that's week on week. I think that suited us last year. I think we bounced in from one match to the other. I think we improved every week. And, look, we know... We have to improve hugely for the Tip game um, from today, especially in the second half, because Tip are flying at their Munster champions. They hammered Dublin the last day as well. You know, there's some brilliant players all over the pitch. So look, we just have to get ourselves right now and and get focused on that job.
1: Well, congratulations. Brilliant performance today. Well done to the girls. Brilliant work rate as well. And we look forward to next Saturday. Yeah, thanks Martin. Denise call. you're here with us after the match. The sweat is absolutely dripping off you. Tell us first of all, what was conditions like there because the sun was beating down on top of you. Was it hard to play in that game first of all today?
3: Um, I know it was very warm, I suppose, but I'm sure that's the kind of day you want to be hurling in. The pitch was lovely and good weather, sure. What else would you be at, I suppose?
1: Come here to me, the, the last day against Wexford, you were probably disappointed you came up to Dublin today looking for performance. You certainly got that. <laughs> 3.14 to 11 points You were on the, the score sheet yourself Happy enough with the performance?
3: Yeah, very happy Look, to be honest I think that Match against Wexford last weekend It felt It was probably The most down I've been In a Kilkenny jersey Even all-Ireland finals I don't know what it was And I think we were all the same We just knew that we were Way, way better than that And we wanted to come up And prove a point I suppose we heard some things Said in, <laughs> Up in Dublin papers Maybe during the week That was highlighted to us By the boys So extra motivation And look, we just We've not, we just wanted to prove something to, I suppose, ourselves and to everyone else,
1: Okay, well, I suppose that leads me then to the question, because I was going to ask it earlier on, the goal that you had. On the 20-metre line, you were going through on goal, you were fouled, referee pulled you back into it, you were having a small little chat with him before it, you buried the ball into the back of the net and your reaction afterwards just told the story. You could see how much it meant to you. But was that building up inside you, that momentum, and maybe what was said about that Kilkenny team in the, the papers before the game?
3: Um, yeah, I don't know at that moment now, but probably. I suppose it just gave us all a bit of extra motivation, like where we don't really get probably the respect we deserve, especially up here I think but um, look if we just look at each other and we know how good we can be on a day like this so it's just great that it actually I suppose worked out for us today
1: When you look at the championship overall four points from two games it's not a bad going you have an important game next weekend then against Tipperary momentum going into that game now you won't fear Tipperary coming to kick I'd say you're going to enjoy it
3: no, look, Jesus, those are the kind of games you'd be relishing, and look, tip won't fear us either, so it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a big battle between us hallways um, and look, we we'd be hoping to just prepare, get ready for the week, and look, coming up to Nolan Park, where we're, I suppose we want to have a big performance in there, it's, we seem to not, maybe not show up as much, and look, the, the Wexford match was disappointing, but... We, we did blow them away for the first 40-50 minutes, which we can learn from as well. So, look, it's just to prepare right and get our heads back into it now. Um, big, massive match, I suppose, against it now next weekend.
1: And while the team performance was brilliant overall, your own performance as well, 1-9 on the day. I know you don't like talking about it. You always talk about the team, but certainly a great tally and a great haul to have after the game.
3: Yeah, it was good, I suppose. It was nice playing Supposed. inside <laughs> in the inside for a change. Um, look, there was loads of space in there and in fairness, the girls hitting good balls and myself and Aoife seem to work well off each other in there and then you'd like say, Kate Katie Nolan and I suppose uh, Julianne and them coming in. But yeah, no luck,
1: just happy to contribute as always, I suppose. And look, to drive it on from here. I certainly will drive it on. Congratulations. Great performance today by the team and yourselves and best of luck next weekend. Yeah, thanks, Martin. Sound.
4: Now, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by former Kilkenny All Ireland winner Kieran Joyce to look back on the CAT season so far and to look ahead to today's All Ireland quarterfinals. Kieran, how are you today, uh, first of all? Good, Robbie, keeping well. Kieran, it's great to chat to you. We will look ahead to those quarterfinals that are taking place this evening, but before that, Kilkenny are the Leinster champions. We haven't been speaking to you since then. Successful season so far, or is there more to it than that?
5: Um, oh, look, well, it's it's a result based uh, game, I suppose, in a lot of ways. So, they've made the All-Ireland semi-finals. They've won Bob O'Keefe. So, by all means, it's a successful year um, to date. Obviously, with, with a lot of big names missing. Um, so, look... It, it, it's great news I think Derek will be delighted and you can even see celebrations afterwards you know with the team and how they uh, how they swarm Killian after the, the, the rider over's kind of ending but um, but yeah no look by all means you know, they, they'll be happy they'll be back in training now getting ready for a semi-finals they'll be watching the weekend then uh, watching the opposition who they could be possibly meeting so look it's it's a great position to be in
4: the reason I asked that question Of course When the Leinster title Has to be deemed As a success But I suppose if we were to look at it As objectively as possible You might say that The performances Will need to improve If they're going to go on And win in All-Ireland Do you feel as though Kilkenny Can get to that level To now Obviously kick on For a semi-final and Then fingers crossed For a final
5: For a final Yeah um, Absolutely Look it, it, it is within them um, Look Galway obviously got a purple patch There towards the tail end Look, they went two points up. Um, and, you know, like we've seen so many times, with Kenny, you know, never-say-die attitude. You know, um, Galway had chances. We, 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 A lot of people have probably seen that, that shemostle down the corner to clear the ball, but whether it was tiredness, uh, you know, lack of concentration, whatever it was. You know, Kenny, I think John Donnelly got to flick back, the ball across, and it just, it just worked out that way. And cool heads um, for Killian to take the score. But, like, I suppose... Kenny be happy. Like Kenny went six, seven points up at one stage, yeah. and then obviously uh, Baller clawed it back. So that that'll be that'll be something that Derek's obviously be working on. Um, all teams have their purple patch, you know, in any sort of game. But it's how Kenny can nullify that, you know. Let it be a clear, let it be tip whoever it is they, they're playing in the semis. You know, if 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 that is the case, and they and they they kind of get that kind of purple patch, you know, how are they going to, I suppose, weather that and. Limit, I suppose, the scores that they can get. Uh, effectively, I suppose, is, is what Kenny. Well, w- what we've done down through the years, you know. And obviously, when we get our proper patch, that we, that we, that we, you know, we, we, we make the most. We make a count. We get the scores up uh, enough to to win out games, you know. So that's probably the one thing that that Derek will be focused on. I suppose is that period of time where Galway got on top. Um, what what can we do differently to I suppose to nullify that or to maybe to, to to weather that storm a little bit different and um, and that but um, look it, I suppose the attitude wise and look the lads injured and the lads to coming back as well so look it's it, it's a great 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 place to be in now and and obviously getting ready for semi finals now in a few weeks. To get lads, um, you know, lad carry niggles, or get lads up to a, a higher level of fitness, or whatever needs to be done. Championship pace, you know, for for a lot of the, the squad and that. So that's that's what he'll be focused on, um, I suppose, for the next couple of weeks in the management team.
4: Just to pick up on that point that you made around the fact that maybe Kilkenny have let teams back into games this year against Galway, Nolan Park, of course, against Wexford as well in the last round robin game, and then again the Leinster final against Galway. Is that something? That the players have to take responsibility for is that something that you would have to kind of look at on a game by game basis, and that it's hard to prepare for that, or do the management team now have to have a serious look at that and say, put a plan in place to try and try and quell a team when they're um kind of they have the momentum in the game, as you say.
5: Yeah, I suppose. Look, it, I think it's a combined effort in a sense. I, look, ultimately, it's down to the players, you know, because they're obviously on the pitch. You know, there's not much management to do uh, in terms of maybe bringing in guys or that. But you know, um, it is. Look, it's, it's the one thing Kenny will be will be not nervous about, but it's the one thing they have to address, you know. And look, I've been play, I played with Kenny for years. When, well, you know, we know we had periods like that when we let teams back into games um, and that. But I suppose the thing about it is they're still getting the results. Look, the worrying thing is, you know. Uh, when you come up to semi-final stage and whoever you are going to be meeting you know you are going to be meeting uh, probably a team further along in I suppose their, their uh, system for, for that year and you know they, they can do serious damage you know you, you see a score that Tipperary racked up there last week um, you know we can see you know the, so you can't allow teams like that to have that sort of period of time in the semi-final and we all know what Kenny done to Clare last year in the semi-finals You know, if if a team is a little bit off at any sort of stage, you know, teams can really punish it. And Kilkenny have been brilliant at it as well. But obviously we've been at the tail end of it as well. You know, we've seen the comeback that Wexford had against us uh, in the round-robin, and we've seen, obviously, the comeback that that Galway had uh, on two occasions. So that's the one thing that that they'll have to focus on. You know, I wouldn't call it a worry, but it's it's, it's obviously a factor that they they need to factor into in the semi-finals. You know, we, if this lead has been built on and, and, and if there's any sort of proper patch for the other team that they're going to start, you know, pegging on a few scores, what do we have to do differently? You know, do, how do we win our puckers more cleanly or how do we play the balls through the lines to make sure that, you know, we win a free or get a score back or, you know, slow down momentum, you know? So that will be all playing into, I suppose, how they're going to address those. And they'll probably be looking at, at those at those key periods and those key moments in in those games to say, you know, if we were to go back and play that again, how would you do it differently? And, you know, when that happens in the semi-finals, which usually does happen in every single game, you know, how do we adapt to that? How do What do we do differently? Do we bring, you know, extra players out on the half-hour line to win puckouts outs or do we play through the lines? You know, so, so that, that's, I suppose, how they will, I suppose, address it. But obviously, all all well and good in terms of how teams will line up against you as well, you know. So it'll be, it'll be a lot will be on the day
4: and that's looking ahead but just to actually look back on that Leinster final and the last moments of it you kind of alluded to it there that battle for the ball in the corner but the fact that it fell to Killian Buckley and he got the goal he's a player and a man that you know very well from your time with Kilkenny were you delighted for him on a personal level and for Kilkenny I suppose how important was that goal
5: oh massively Ash look, you, 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 look we, we all know Killian is, is he's the, probably one of the most dedicated guys there um, and he's been there. Look, he's been there a while. You know, he's there when I was there, and I'm gone a while as well. So, you know, he's he's the ultimate athlete. He's the ultimate professional in a lot of ways. You know, he's the quiet unsung hero for Kenny there for a lot of years. And you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, get surprised. But Killian, like, when I first started off, Killian was playing wing forward there one one campaign first down through the years. So, you know, he he was used to the forward line. I suppose he probably wasn't used to playing the full forward line when he got the ball. But uh, look, he showed cool, calm head. Um, you know, he put it put it in an area and, and in the goal, whether it was in, it's completely intentional or not, Killian probably will might 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 tell us that until maybe maybe tail <laughs> end of the year if we have Lee McCarthy that you know, he put in an area at the goal that was probably the only spot that the ball could go. You know, 'cause the the goal line if he had to go drive it for power, it probably would've been blocked or would have hit off somebody or something like that. So he put it down low into the corner and uh, yeah, got the win. So but look I suppose it's a reflection of the mindset of the team, you know. It's, you know, it's not even Killian, I suppose. You know, we, it was great to see Wally come on. You know, had a massive impact as well. Um, you know, like Wally, Killian, you know, Conor Fogarty played massively as well. You know, a lot of experienced heads there that have been there for, you know, a long time, along with TJ. You know, they've soldiered there for Kenny there for a long time as well. And, like, their appetite is still there, you know, which is amazing. And I know we haven't won Lee McCarthy in, in, a, in, a, in a while as well. So, like, them lads will, you know they see that this is like no, they know they don't have another five or six years probably ahead of them to to, to do it so they know every season that they get injury free is a season to cherish and a season to to work on and and, you know they have two more games now to focus on to to, to win all Ireland and that's what they'll be doing they'll be taking game by game and it's great to see the experienced guys in the team you know coming into play along with you know the younger guys, you know that are that are showing form as well. Um, so look, that that that's what makes a a blend for a very good team, I suppose. And that's what kind of showed through, you know, for for Kenny. You know, a couple of key moments um, that you know they, they made the right options. Uh, they took the right options at the right time. And look, that's that's I suppose is the one thing with Kikenny there in the last couple of years is you know um, they're taking options at the right times. You know. Um, when when they break the lines they're able to take their scores when needed you know they have an eye for the goal again as they, as, they, as we can clearly see which is great you know because you know Kikenni scoring goals is have, you know teams that win all Ireland you know which is which is fantastic to, to, to see as well so um and look, entertainment value then is, is brilliant as well for the fans. So, you know, the last couple of games that we've had there, you know, at length the final, leaving the game down to extras, um, you know, the, the, they're all great games to be, to be uh, cherished and to be played with. So, and you know, memories to be made, but for the squad and the team, you know, the, the main focus for them is another six, 70 minutes, could be extra time, whatever it is, to get into an Ireland final and then they'll, they'll take it from there. So that's their sole focus now.
4: And just one final one on Killian Buckley, because it felt like a crowning moment for him on an individual level, getting that winning goal against Galway. I mean this as a compliment, is he the sort of player that's maybe appreciated more by his teammates than by the supporters, who love him of course, but you know, do you kind of appreciate the work he does a bit more when you're in the camp?
5: Uh, oh, you would, yeah. Look, I <laughs> you'd appreciate when, you, when you're watching uh, Killian destroy on a yo-yo test or on uh, <laughs> Runnins or himself from uh, Conor Fogarty back in the day, and even Wally when he when he gets a stride up. You know, a lot of them lads, you you, you kind of see the level of fitness that they bring in comparison to. I suppose when I was there, a lot, you know, few lads, you know, they're, they're ex- exceptional athletes. You know, all um, oh, this has been, you know, um, and. You know he, he was he was exceptional beside me playing wing back there for years as well. You know he played wing forward. You know he was midfield. And look, you know what, what kind of a club player he's been. He's been for Dixburg down through the expert, you, years as well. So, look, it is great. You know, it, it, it's I suppose even when you see, I know when you see the interview afterwards, Killian. You know, Killian was a motive. You know, for the right things because those sort of things are, are days you don't forget. Like you know, to score the winning goal in the final. You know. Um, Last, last puck of the game and even the way the final whistle went to the celebrate. you know those are the sort of days that you know we'll all, memories will all stick with them so it's lovely to see that kind of happen for you know Killian a guy that has soldier for Kenny and you know yeah, I suppose he, he you know there's all sort of, sort of crowd favourites um, you know Killian just gets about his, you know he's, he's quite unassuming kind of guy he gets about his business um, and that kind of thing so it's great for him to see those get those sort of plaudits and you know Killian was never a man to, to love interviews I love the cameras and that kind of stuff but it was great for him to you know, to, to get that recognition and um, for the length of but look by all means Killian will have that buried to one side now forgotten about it's it's, it's semi-finals phase now and um, that's, that's they'll be so focused now going forward and obviously find out who they're going to be playing at the weekend
4: it would have been four weeks from the Leinster final until the All-Ireland semi-final. We hear a lot about how those four weeks can be incredibly useful. Could you give us a bit of an insight into what will be done within those four weeks? And also from a player's perspective, is it enjoyable having four weeks without a game? Is it something that you can use to your own benefit or kind of get a bit boring and frustrating?
5: Um, no, well look I, I suppose it gives time like a lot of guys will be sore. like the, the first week after that does that let's find a lot of lads will get the niggles checked out. You know, any lads that are carrying niggles will you know, will be looking at that, addressing it. Um the second week then they'll they'll start getting back into the rhythm they, they'll probably have a training camp away somewhere, you know. Um they'll probably go away at the weekend and play, you know, in house games, uh, I suppose fifteen on fifteen. Um and that they'll probably have Probably two or three of those really good sessions, I suppose, uh, over the, over a two week period, and then it'll be, you know, it'll be a week a week leading into it as well. So, you know, they'll be fine tuning, and they're they're starting fifteen at that stage. You know, any lads that have niggles or any lads that are maybe coming back from injury will be tested out to see will they be at a level to play. Um, you know that that semi final, and if not, then obviously you know they'll, they'll probably be settling under under starting fifteen and whatever five guys are going to come on and make an impact. You know, so that's that's look. I know that's how we kind of approach that semi final um, at that stage. You know, and obviously then they'll they'll know who they're playing as well, and they, and you know they, they'll have an idea of how they've played as well, and obviously how they're going to address whatever sort of game plan they're going to play. So that's I suppose how the four weeks I would assume will will probably um, play out for them. Uh, and that, and yeah, they, they slowly start gearing up towards the the, um, the semi-final then to try and peak at the right time.
4: The two quarter-finals are taking place on Saturday evening, of course. Kilkenny will play the winner of Clare and Dublin. Before we get on to Galway and Tipperary, Clare, the clear favourites there. Do you see Dublin causing an upset?
5: Um i I think Dublin have the capabilities of of causing problems. Uh, I look, I suppose the level, the level I suppose I've seen Clare and Limerick play at, you know, this year. I suppose is a level I, I suppose I haven't seen in many other games since. Um, so, you know, the two games they played, you know, you could have seen the hits there. Even the first, the first round Robin game, you know, everyone is kind of saying, "Geez, you know." That would, that's, that's the first proper game of the year which it probably was you know in terms of the hits the the, the, um, the ferocity in, in their attacking and that kind of stuff so the, the one thing Clare will be hopeful is that they'll be able to bring that consistently you know because last year they, you know they lost obviously the Munster Final uh, closely enough similar enough to this year to, to Limerick had chances to win it again They came out against, I think it was Wexford last year. They struggled, you know, with the Wexford. And then they came against Kilkenny then and, you know, Kilkenny just blew them out of the water, you know. It was over after the first 25 minutes. So that's probably the big thing that Brian Lohan would be saying to himself. Like, obviously, we have to get back up to a level where, you know, they'll, they'll show that consistency again. And if they don't do it against Dublin, you know, Dublin against Galway kind of showed that, if if you're any way off and Dublin are anyway on, you know they can cause they they you know, they can cause you damage. Um so they can now obviously I know that was you know, that was Dublin up in Co. Park and, you know, they, they had a lot of space that day against Galway. They probably won't have the same space down. I think it's Limerick it's in the Gaelic grounds, I think this yeah this weekend and, and Claire like the Gaelic grounds, you know, and <laughs> like they they want to play the Monster final. They agreed to play the Monster final there as well. Um home turf on Limerick so you know they kind of see that as as a good pitch to them so I would assume I that you know Dublin will put up to him for the first half I would say but I I think Clare have too much firepower um, and too much I suppose um, too much strength and depth I think to 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 um, to allow to allow obviously to to Dublin to win so I I look I would say Clare should come away there five or six points win at minimum um, I would say um, um, yeah I, I think Brian Lohan has, has learned from his mistakes last year uh, and obviously I think the team as well collectively they not know how flat they were against us in the semi-finals last year and I suppose that, that kind of came from poor enough I suppose quarter-final display so they'll, they'll want to rectify that and have a good performance in the, in the quarter-finals going into the, the semi-finals again
4: And I was just going to pick up on that. You said that they will have wanted to have learned from their mistakes from last year. If it were to be clear, as a lot of people expect, do you think it would be a much closer semi-final this year between Kilkenny and Clare?
5: Um, yeah, I, I would. I would say. I would assume. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I know last year John Conlon was was injured. You know, last minute, I suppose we heard the day of it. I think was it maybe or the night before that those rumors yeah. going on. And John Conlon was a massive loss. You know, you, you even see there this year alone again. You know how much of a focal point he was, um, and that. And I don't know whether that kind of in a mindset. And then obviously, look, we all know that Mikey Butler done a, done, a, done a fantastic job on um, Tony Kelly last year you know and I don't know Clare kind of maybe played into that you know in terms of having Tony drift around just letting you know get Mikey Butler man marking him and you know that, that nullified two, two big threats for the guys uh, at that stage um, and that so I suppose the difference this 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 time of Clare is to have a couple more keen forwards that aren't you know Tony Kelly hasn't been as prolific you know this year uh, he hasn't been scoring 13-14 points you know, for Clare, there's other guys stepping up, which is, I suppose, is, is probably better for him. And he can see, a, a, you know, a, a, a larger spread of scores, which is good for him as well. So there'll be a lot of, there'll be a lot of things that they've worked on there um, and that. So, yeah, look, I'd say Brian is is, is is lining up a good performance this weekend and obviously then building towards, um, they won't be taking their eye off the weekend, but then obviously after that, then we're building towards trying to rectify last year's um, performance against us.
4: And then the other quarter final—it's a quarter past six, thrown in the Gaelic grounds as well. Galway against Tipperary, feels like a huge game for both counties, but particularly for Galway and their manager, of course, your former teammate Henry Shefflin. Do you feel as though? If they were to take a step backwards this year, which of course a defeat will constitute a step backwards, because last year they did make a All Ireland semi final after losing the Leinster final, yeah. would it be hard for them to come back again next year? Kind of where would it leave Galway if they were to lose to Tipperary? Well,
5: um, oh, look, look, there's no doubt it would be it would be uh, a a big blow. Um, it, it is hard to drag yourself back from a game where you know effectively you're in extra time and you had the game one you're, well you're now game one but you're up by two points and I suppose when they look back at that game they'll say to themselves you know at key periods you know why didn't we put the ball dead or you know why didn't we make our clearer lines whatever it is to you know at that stage then Kenny mightn't, mightn't have won the Leinster final, so there's a lot of things that they can work on there's, look there's a lot of good things that, that showed they were down whatever 7 or 8 points again they fought back they got into a lead It just they weren't able to close out the game um, but you know the, the, I suppose the difference here is you know they won't get that they won't probably get that opportunity against a tip team that are ruthless for goals you know they've, they've been just wanting to score goals all year and um that's probably one of, the, one of the big changes over as tip this year is, to, you know, they are quite ruthless in 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 a sense that you know they go for the juggler every time they get the chance, and you know, with with the scoreline that they 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 put up against Offaly, I suppose, it's kind of showing that they're you know they they're shooting boots are in. Um, now, obviously, I know what we'll be saying is goal with defence probably will should should be putting up a, a bigger and better fight than than the, uh, the Offaly defence and time on the ball they probably won't get either, but. The thing with Galway is, and, and we, you know, we all know it. Galway on their day can beat any any county in in, in the country, but it, it, it that is when they're on their day, and if and if they are off, you know, they can be, you know, they can be non-competitive in a lot of ways. So, I suppose what Henry wants is, first of all, he wants a performance from him. He wants him showing up, um, putting in that fight. And we know, you, you everyone will know within the first twenty minutes, half an hour, how this game is going to go. It's either going to go down to the wire, or it could go down to, you know, a tip win comfortably enough. Um, and that so we'll all be hoping it goes down to the wire and it'll be an exciting game but um, but yeah it's it's, it's it's just hard to know um, we we kind of know the game plan that tip have been but you know saying that you know have tip been overly tested yet probably not in the last couple of games um, Galway have been tested they've, they've shown fight back but they haven't been able to close out games so there's, there's a lot of dynamics in both those teams to work out but that'll probably be the game of the weekend um, I would assume, hoping, hoping it is. Uh, hoping the two games will be crackers, but yeah, that that that's probably the game that 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 will um, that will probably show, us, I suppose, who really is going to put the fight up to Limerick in the semis.
4: And just before I ask you. Your opinion on who you think will win that game, Kieran. Mm. Your assessment of Tipperary so far—they're the only team that defeated Clare in the round robin. I know Limerick defeated them in the Munster final, and they're the only mm. team that lost to Waterford in the round robin and two draws against Limerick and Cork sandwiched in between. What yeah. have you made of Liam Carl's first year in charge of Tip?
5: Um, look, I think I think they're showing a lot of progress, uh, a lot of youth after coming in as well. Um, Obviously, look, with Tip, there's been a lot of change. You know, a lot of experienced heads have come, have gone. A lot of experienced heads have come back in. You know, we see Jamie McCallan is back there as well. Uh, he's looking sharper than ever uh, at certain stages. And look, they, they look, a lot of guys have, have stepped away as well. You know, Bubbles and all them. You know, a couple of big characters like that down through the years have, have moved on. But there's newer guys have stepped in. Um, and that's so... Look, I think, I think they have a fight in them. Um, I... I suppose the, the the one worry was the Waterford game in terms of how they how you know how off they looked and everyone has kind of came as surprise by that you know and we all know Davey has the X factor in certain games you know he can, he can bring he can bring a strategy he can bring a, a tactic to a game that will you know that will probably put off a team and you know but, but I suppose what Tipperary looked so flat that day that you know maybe that might be. The one kick that they get that every team needs at 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 a time of the year that they've learned their lesson. You know, we cannot approach any sort of game in 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 any sort of um, way in terms of being um, overly confident or taking teams for granted or that kind of stuff. And and I suppose the performance against Offaly probably showed a ruthlessness to them. Now, even though they still conceded, I think it was three thirty-one by Offaly, which they probably you know Lee probably wouldn't be happy about that, but. They, they are showing that, you know, given the chance, they will shoot the lights out. But the problem is then, obviously, if, is the opposite team going to shoot the lights out with it? And, you know, do Galway have the capabilities of doing that at the moment? You know, the 6 fours versus the 6 fours of Galway versus six fours 6 of Tip, they probably don't score goals as, as freely or as willingly. Um, So that's probably the one worry that Henry will have is that, you know, if, if it goes to an all-out shootout, um, they probably don't have the forward line to make, you know to stay with tip uh and that's uh, where uh, tip's backs you know as well you know there's, there's a lot of chaplain change and mikey breen's in the backs there now as well you know so there's a lot of chaplain change that you know mightn't really been tested until you do come into quarter final semi-finals of all ireland and that's when you know you really find out what your six backs and your six forwards are like on either side so um that's what really makes it an intriguing battle but you know, for me i i i think tip are favourites um and i think tip should have enough to, to to play in the semi-finals
4: well that answered my final question so, so I'll, yeah. I'll ask another one um, that means you obviously think it'll be Tip and Limerick and then Clare and Kilkenny in the semi-finals who do you think yeah. will be the All-Ireland champions this year is there any way Kilkenny can stop that four in a row chase that Limerick are on um, will somebody um, else pop up
5: oh, for some reason I always said to myself the way, the way it's planned out now could be a Tip, Tip uh, Kilkenny All-Ireland And I think, you know, Kikkeni would love that. You know, Mm. we're we're after losing the last couple of All-Ireland's to him. Um, But no, look, I suppose Tipperary and, uh, you know, and, you know, Limerick, you know, Tipperary won't fear Limerick, uh, especially in All-Ireland semi-finals. You know, Limerick are on the pedestal. Yes, Limerick are the number one team. You know, have they stepped back into the, the group a little bit? they probably have you know obviously a couple of the key players are probably not hitting the form that they want now those same key players could show up and be phenomenal in the All-Ireland final and All-Ireland semis you know it's been Ger Hegarty doing that numerous years you know um, so it's hard to know you know for me personally yes Limerick are number one still Clare probably are number two based on I suppose the performance today the and then it's seen you know Kikennie and Tip but like you know Kikennie will not fear playing clear in the semi-finals if, if that's who they're going to be playing you know and, and vice versa then Tip you know will not fear Limerick you know they will go for the juggler It's Limerick's to win um, you know and Limerick's to lose as well on, on their side so yeah that's you know it, it's going to be intriguing enough um, so it is um, but yeah for, for me for me look I, I don't know personally I I'd love to see a tip to any final. Um, you know, could be could uh, it could end up being Clare who knows? But
4: um either way, look it there'll be two cracking semifinals. Pleasure as always, Kieran, thanks a million. No problem. Thanks, Robbie, thanks for us.
0: Welcome back to Scoreline and it's myself, Shane O'Keefe with you until 6 o'clock. Now, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by two men from Carlow Town, Hurling and Camogie Club. They're the coaches of the Little Puckers. Yes, you would have heard about them maybe on KCLR Breakfast with John Walsh. Not just last week, the week before, the week before. The name stands out. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's a great initiative that's been going for quite some time. Joining me now is Sean and Padra. Sean, how long has it been going for? Um, no,
6: it's been set up four years, three or four years at this stage now. Um, we had a coaches meeting with um, Carlo Gia a few years ago and we were just trying to come up with ways to promote hurling among the younger generation, among our under fives or under seven, to grow our nursery as such so one of the things that was recommended to us was to come up with a catchy name to come up with something that would grab people's attention and there's one of our coaches in the club a man called Brian Delaney who came up with the name The Little Puckers and it was messed with a bit of derision at first and we weren't sure how it would go down But then we thought about it, and the more we thought about it, we said even if people don't like us, it'll get people talking about us and so forth. So the name stuck, and I'd say it's three or four years. Paddy might know better than I I do there, but I think it's three or four years that we've been using the name The Little Puckers for our nursery. So it encompasses our under fives, our under sevens, and our under nines. And we hope then by the time they get to under 11, they're no longer Little Puckers, but just Puckers (laughs) Jeff.
0: It is a great name. It certainly got the attention of our own uh, John Walsh on KCLR Breakfast. And he loves reading out the, the name, but he loves the kind of initiative that is behind it. And Padjo, you're looking after the Camogie side of things for the Little Puckers. How have you found the interest in that side of the game? Especially considering how well Carlo Camogie have been doing over the past while.
7: That's it, Shane. It's success feeds success and breeds success. And when when our little bookers, as we call them, when they see the adult girls having a bit of success, that that will entice them to come along and try it. Well, apart from just the camogie thing, it's we're we're creating a a sense of belonging in the club, and uh, we're working on the social development and the community spirit. It's it's more than just a, a camogie or hurling training session. It's a place where adults, grannies, grandads, uncles, aunts, parents all come together to congregate. On a Friday night, we have a refreshment stall there run by a couple of uh, volunteer ladies, and they serve teas and coffees and biscuits and and it's a great, great sense of belonging and community. And it's just one big happy family, if you if you like. And Sean, that's fantastic. Just that- really come up and have a look at it to see it. And i i put the word out there to anybody, any potential budding members, come on up, have a look, see what see what see what we're all about. Uh, you can regularly see parents and other adults walk in the perimeter of the field. There's a lovely walkway around there while the training is going on, and it just it just creates a, a lovely sense of community and sense of belonging.
0: And Sean, what kind of numbers are you talking about that you're getting up there? We all know that the GEA is. Like for the community, and it's great getting to have the volunteers. But when you're talking about the young people getting involved, what type, type, talk, sort of numbers are you talking about?
6: And um, numbers have absolutely ballooned over the last three or four years. We found, Shane, after COVID, we found a massive increase in our numbers. I felt obviously parents being locked down for a couple of years they wanted to get their children involved in something physical and as Padja said the sense of community and the the sense of well-being and so forth so our numbers absolutely ballooned at that stage Um, at the moment I primarily look after the under nines I I would also have my fingers uh, in the pie of the sevens and the fives as well but with the nines we have up to 40 players at every training session we have I think it's 60 players in our WhatsApp group and obviously with holidays and with sickness and so forth you never have all sixty there. But we've had up to forty of training sessions. Are under sevens and our under fives, the numbers are very good as well. So the boys side of things would have close on because on a Friday night we train up to under elevens, we'd have close on a hundred boys there every Friday night and some 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 Fridays we just go over the hundred. And similarly it's it's the same numbers for the Camogie as well.
0: Wow, that that that's serious numbers that you're getting there, especially when you consider you know, a lot of the discourse that surrounds Carlo GEA is the fact that it does compete duly in both disciplines when it comes to the football and hurling. Because of the say lack of clubs within the championship on a senior level, you know, people think that Carlo might fall behind. But initiatives like this are only going to help create success in the future.
6: And yeah, and that's very much our, that's very much our view is a long term plan. If we don't have 40, 50, 60 players coming in under nine, there's no way we're going to have 20, 25 players for a minor team in five or ten years' time or whatever it may be. Retention is our next goal. Uh, it has often been a case whereby people will try hurling for a little while and then, in Carl, as, as you mentioned there, big ball is king in the town at the moment, and we're obviously trying to change that, and we're trying to get the small ball on equal status with it. We would have, and historically we would have had problems with boys maybe getting the 13 and 14 and choosing the big ball over the small ball. Um, however, the success of the Joe McDonough team of late, the fantastic performance last week against, against Dublin, where we were right in it up until 65 minutes, all of that is feeding in to hopefully keeping the children playing longer. We had our own club, Captain Connor Lawler, was the full-back on that Carlo team. He came up two weeks ago, sorry, just sorry, the Friday before then, the Joe McDonough, he signed hurls. He was there for over an hour with the girls and then an hour again with the boys, signing hurls and jerseys. The the atmosphere, the excitement, the generated. And it wasn't, which was the great thing to see, it wasn't just the five and six-year-olds. You could see, they were too cool to go up and ask for an autograph, but you could see the 11-year-olds and the 12-year-olds and the 13-year-olds nudging each other (laughs) and idolising them and hoping to be like him. And that is our plan, is to keep those lads hurling. So that hurling in Carlow in five or six years' time will not just be confined to the south of the county, but that there will be a strong urban stronghold for hurling as well, which will then strengthen our county team and hopefully have us competing regularly in Lee McCarthy.
0: Padjo, when we're talking about, say, the, the, the dual nature of the county, of course we're only talking about in GAA aspects. But well, we've recently seen the tremendous success of the Gainer Cup team when it comes to soccer, and then when you're co- talking about rugby of two really successful teams in Carlo and in Tullo. Tullo, of course, the Towns Cup champions. How difficult is it competing with sports, or would you encourage them to be able to try everything?
7: Absolutely. It, it's extremely difficult because... When I was playing and Sean was playing, he'd tell you there was a cohort of rugby people who played rugby, there was a cohort of football people who played football, and there was a cohort of soccer players who played soccer, and then there was the hurling fraternity. But now we're all pulling from the same pool, yeah. is what I, what I can see. And it's really, really important that girls and boys try all sports and find a couple of sports that, that they enjoy, not that they excel at, because it, if you account success by medals that you win that's not really what we're about we're about getting the numbers in feeding them through our our juvenile program and producing adult players into the future so look at it's really important that they try all games i would encourage all boys and girls out there try everything be it karate be it swimming be it hurling be it camogie be it whatever it is try them all find ones that you enjoy that that suit your abilities and yeah look at it it is really difficult because you find that matches might be on the same nights or now i know that the county board the Camogie board and the lgfa in particular have sat down and asked and asked not to play matches on a designated football nights or Camogie nights or, or or what it is but yeah look at, it's it's really important when you when you look at the number of uh, football teams in in the town and the surrounds it's really it's really difficult to get all your players there on the same training nights and i'm sure the football teams would say the same and the soccer teams are not, I would say the same. We're all pulling from the same pool. So look, at communication is key. And look, at we're training on a Tuesday night. Could you move yours to a Wednesday night or, or whatever it be? But yeah, it, it's, great, it's great to see them playing all different sports. But yeah, it, it is difficult to try and juggle all, all sports at one time.
0: Well, one of the things that are crucial is creating that environment for people and helping along with, say, financial costs for parents when it comes to it. And I can see there that the likes of hurls and helmets are are provided by Carlisle Town Hurling Club.
6: Yeah, we appreciate that there is, particularly if you've got a child and you're not sure whether the boy or the girl is going to enjoy hurling, it's not fair to ask a parent to outlay for a hurl and a helmet like combined that would easily be €100 euro. and it's not fair for a child to do it once and go mummy I don't like it or daddy I don't like it so for the first few weeks we will always provide a hurl and a helmet uh, free of charge for the duration of training Um After five or six weeks if the child likes it at that stage we would ask the parent or we ask the parent to consider purchasing a hurl and a helmet for the child. A hurl more so. Um, A helmet at home not quite as important but the hurl so that the child can practice the fundamental skills. Um, Hurling as we all are aware of is a very very skill dependent game. Mm. If a child is playing on Friday at training and doesn't pick up the hurl again until the following Friday. If will be, that child will be behind its friends who have been practising all week. So we would ask after a few weeks, once the parent is fairly sure that the child is going to commit to it at least for the year, to buy a hurl so that their son and daughter can go home, practise. We put up on WhatsApp, we put up homework for the children to do. Like school, a little skill that they have to learn and they come back the following Friday then and they show off the skill to their friends. Hmm. If they don't have the hurl at home, they can't do that. But we do appreciate, we are fully aware of the, of the cost of things nowadays, inflation and so forth. So there is no uh, duty bound, or the parents are not duty bound, to have a hurl at the start. We will provide a hurl and a helmet free of charge until the child decides that, yes, hurling or camogie is for them.
0: Well, lads, it sounds absolutely... I'll just add a little bit yeah. to that, Shane, Go if ahead. you don't
7: mind. We've, we've also had an initiative up there called the Boot Bin, whereby... If you when you grow out of your, your football boots, we've a bin there. Put your boots into the bin. Somebody else can come along, take those boots free of charge. And therefore you're reusing and you're reducing and it's it's just a good initiative. Again, cutting down on the costs. A child might only wear a pair of football boots when they're when they're that age and they're growing that quickly for maybe three or six months and then they're growing out of it. So we have a boot bin. Put your boots into it. Take another pair out of if if you want. And and it just keeps it just keeps the whole thing recycling and reducing, as I say, and and reusing.
0: Well, that sounds absolutely brilliant, lads. I, w- I, w- I wish I had that in my soccer team. I go through about four pairs of boots every month. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, Shane, just
6: exactly with that as well. We would ask parents at the end of the year if the child going out with the hurl to leave the hurl behind, so that it's available for other children the following year, and the helmets as well.
0: Well, lads, it sounds like you have a wonderful set-up there. If there's parents out there or indeed children out there that are listening that want to get involved, like the Town Hurling Club with Netwatch Cullen Park there in the backdrop free, like, you know, it's something to aspire to, but it's not, as you said, about the medals that you get out there. It's about the fun that you have out there. So if someone Absolutely. thinks it sounds like a bit of fun, where can they find the information on it? Can they show up on the day? What's the story?
7: Absolutely, Shane. Just turn up on the night. Nice, the girls' uh, session's commence at 6.30 every Friday evening. The boys start at 7pm. Just turn up. Myself and Sean are there. There's loads of other willing volunteers who, who will be there to meet you, to greet you, to show you where to go. We have, um, we have a full a full team of qualified coaches. All the sessions are conducted in a safe environment where the emphasis is totally on fun, enjoyment and learning the skills of the game. And just before I leave you, Shane, I'd just like to give a, a huge shout-out there to Michael and Pauline Hosey, who provide fresh fruit for our hungry puckers every Friday night, and it's really appreciated. It's all, also offering, the, as well as the cookies, it's also offering the the healthy alternative, I, I suppose, as well.
0: Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting to us about it. As I said, a lot of people get a, a, a lot of kind of... The name draws a lot of attention, but the message behind it just seems absolutely brilliant, and I love when John Walsh uh, brings a smile to his face. He's a hard man to please at times, you know, so <laughs> it brings a smile to his face. Well, They're
7: going at the minute,
0: Exactly. If you <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he'll, be looking, he'll be enjoying the championship next season. Like, he's alright, he's not too bad. <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with me today. Not
7: at all, Shane, appreciate it. You're more it. than welcome, Shane. Thank you.
0: Sean and Padre, ladies and gentlemen, from Carlow Town Hurling and Camogie Club. All about the little pokers. You can find more on the social media page of Carlow Town Hurling Club. Sounds like an absolutely great initiative. Lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Don't go anywhere. <laughs>
4: And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Carlo Ladies Football star Cleena Nishé to talk about the campaign for the Carlo Ladies Football so far. Of course, they are one game through their All-Ireland Championship Series following a disappointing defeat to Fermanagh. But with games against Derry and London to come up, there is still a lot on the line. Cleena, thanks for joining me on the show today. How are you, first of all?
8: I'm good. Thanks a million for having me.
4: It's always brilliant to chat to you. And before we get into those upcoming games and maybe look back on the defeat to Fermanagh, we haven't spoken to you in quite some time. Since last time we spoke, you unfortunately did your ACL. How has the recovery from that been since?
8: Um yeah, so I, I did my ACL in January twenty twenty two. So uh I missed basically all of last season. Um so yeah, I know it was a tough, tough recovery, so Uh, like it's a very kind of long process um, and quite taxing but I'm just absolutely delighted to be back.
4: Yeah I'm I'm sure you are delighted to be back but just because they are something that maybe a lot of our listeners wouldn't have an understanding of the rehab and the recovery after an injury like that what does it entail and how difficult is it to actually go through that and come out the other side?
8: Um, Yeah so it's uh, you have to get surgery on it so they take a, a graft from kind of a, uh, your patella tendon and so you're like back to kind of square one you're learning to walk again and then you kind of lose nearly all the your quad muscle so it's just back in the gym like first you're learning to walk again then a bit on the bike and back in the gym then kind of building up your muscles and then about four four months in maybe five months in you can kind of start learning to run again and um, so it's basically just completely back to the basics and you're looking at doing your rehab every single day in the gym Kind of most days now, I was very lucky I had like amazing support from my my friends and family and um like the club girls especially and and everything I had some really good kind of like few of my friends are really um experienced kind of physios and strength and conditioning and stuff, so I had brilliant support and like it's just it's quite a long a long road, and I'm very very lucky to have had such amazing support like i don't know I couldn't imagine how hard it would be without kind of amazing friends and family to bring you through it
4: and just a final one on it because I'm sure you don't want to look back in the past too much we (laughs) we don't either but you missed out on the 2022 season and considering how good Carlo were last year you know making an all-earned semi-final unfortunately losing to Antrim that must have been hard to look on from the sidelines knowing the impact that you potentially could have made
8: yeah no I'm not going to lie it was was one of the hardest years of my life like it's very very tough kind of going and watching matches that you should like you feel you should be involved in and and could have been involved in and it's kind of it's really i found it really really hard to deal with um especially on those big days you just want to be involved and you're kind of wondering like why like why did it happen to me and stuff like that but it's it's such a common injury and um it's just so sad and i've like you can't i feel like you can't really imagine it until you've gone through it like i even look back now on on friends and teammates that have gone through long like long periods of injury And I feel like I probably didn't give them as much support as I should have. It's just, it's such a tough, like those days, you don't really think about, you're kind of thinking of yourself on them, but like it's really hard for all the girls that aren't involved. Um, And it kind of, yeah, I suppose it gives you a newfound appreciation for for playing and being involved.
4: And now you're back in the future is bright, thankfully. Um, In terms of the return, what has it been like getting back out on the pitch? I'm sure it was refreshing, but was it difficult initially?
8: Yeah, definitely, and and that was one thing I definitely hadn't kind of thought about. I was kind of always looking towards you know the nine months, or you know it can take longer, but I was looking at once I'm back, like everything will be great and I'll be back to normal. But yeah, I found the return to play very difficult. Like you know you're you're out of practice, you're slower, you're kind of thinking of everything. <laughs> we haven't you haven't kicked a football in you know a good few months, and it's especially I was going straight back into just the way that my return fell. I was going straight back into to county. So, even though it was pre season everyone was starting like I just felt like it was harder to get into and harder to enjoy nearly than I thought it would be. You know it wasn't kind of the big return, everything's happy that I thought it would be yeah no i I'm, I'm like I'm a good few months back now, I went back in kind November, so um over the worst of it now I think
4: <laughs> <laughs> when you came back and I mean this as a compliment. Is that when you really realised how elite a level you're playing at when it comes to Intercounty? Because I'm sure you would have been used to it coming up through the underage grades and then going on to the Carlow Ladies team and playing at the junior grade um, from the adult point of view. You would have been just so used to it. But when you come back into a setup like that, is that when it really dawns on you how difficult it is to maintain and reach that level of performance consistently like you had done beforehand?
8: Yeah, I suppose before I got injured I I probably didn't think about it very much. It was just... The usual you know I no matter what match I was playing whether it be an All-Ireland semi-final or a challenge match I just went out and played and didn't have to think twice about it and then you're coming back after such a long period of injury and you know I would have thought that I was quite like confident and mentally strong but you, yeah. have, those doubts, you have those doubts coming back after after being out for so long and you know will I ever reach where I was and stuff like that but yeah I found it like on many levels like it was The whole thing it didn't it didn't end after the nine months, but um, yeah, like everybody was really really supportive, and I've like I've great people around me and and my teammates and stuff. So I was very lucky. Like everybody was brilliant on my return to play and stuff like that, and it did actually go really smoothly. Like, you know, I didn't have any any problems coming back, like physically or anything. So I am very lucky in that regard.
4: And to completely move on now from from that injury. the game against Fermanagh, before we get on to what's to come, it was a disappointing start, I suppose, to the campaign. A thirteen to 9 point defeat. What did you, how do you assess that performance now, uh, less than a week on? I'm sure you would have been disappointed.
8: Yeah, very disappointed. I suppose, even from myself, like it was my first All-Ireland Championship match in, um, you know, in over a year. I think like, we were all quite well prepared and really excited and stuff, and like to call a spade a spade we just didn't form and um, so it's hugely disappointing and um, but you know there were there were definitely positives to take from we did some things well and um, obviously lots to work on but um yeah we're kind of just looking forward to the next match now probably not try not to go out on it too much because yeah it just like it wasn't the performance we had hoped we'd have um or we know that we're capable of so um yeah just disappointing but um definitely like positives to take i wouldn't it wouldn't be ruling out like ruling the season out or anything. It's not. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world, but we're, we're definitely not happy with our performance.
4: Certainly not um, the end of the world because you have two home games to come now. First of all, it is Derry, and then you have to go and take on London. Does it feel as though almost off the back of a defeat, the best place to play your football is Netwatch Cullen Park to try and get some positive results again?
8: Yeah, like uh, we're very lucky to have have two home games, um, and hopefully we will get a good bit of support. We had a good bit of support up it, up and but we're looking kind of hope get the county behind us and put in two really good performances. Hopefully, um, yeah. So we're used to playing in Carlow, I suppose, and we won't have to travel, so we've got um, got that benefit. And um, just yeah, really looking forward to them. Like obviously we've we've this weekend off, but um, kind of just raring to go and kind of right some of the wrongs that we did, um, and just. Play like we know we're capable of
4: and is it as simple as kind of getting all maybe the all that stuff about we just have to get out a group or whatever it is out of the brain and maybe taking it one game at a time from now and just saying we're against Derry we'll try and win that game, and then obviously, when it comes to London, a similar mindset, or is it more complicated than that
8: no, I think that's like that's it like we know if we perform well we're capable of beating beating the teams and like and we can't really t- we can't take anyone for granted like we need to win. Um, every game. So it definitely would be looking at just for now, looking at the dairy game and making sure we do what we want to do well uh, and put in a good performance and then kind of move on after that. But definitely just looking at, at the next game.
4: And Kleene, you would have missed obviously all of the season uh, under the new manager Ed Burkin, under his management team. But now that you're involved in it again this season, we spoke to him a lot and we spoke to the players a lot last year and they had mentioned that maybe it was a young and a vibrant team and a real energy about the side. Is that something that you would echo?
8: Yeah, definitely. You know, we've got like, um, I think I saw an interview maybe with uh, with Anne Roach from the team in, in the in the Nationalist and it said like, I remember playing for Carlo years ago when it might have been two or three clubs represented on, on the, the panel or the starting team or whatever and now we've got like most clubs in the county represented, like there's such a a young like young team coming up from various clubs and a good spread and I feel like we really are kind of representing the county well it's everybody wants to be on the the county team, which is kind of might be a change from the previous few years um so definitely a young vibrant team a lot of a lot of new players this year putting their hand up for for places and stuff like that that maybe wouldn't have been even on panels a few years ago so it's really, really exciting.
4: Just in terms of looking on now um, for the remainder of the season, is the goal to simply try and make a junior all Ireland final?
8: Yeah. Um, as a team, we want to perform and we think we're capable of that and well within our reach. You know, we've been we've been pushing um, the last two years in the semi-final um, so we're, we're hoping to get that step further and make it to Croke Park on the 13th of August.
4: And just f- just in terms of, finally, for myself, Clina, um, we're speaking a lot about Carlo there. This week the news broke that maybe LGFA and Camogie players at the elite inter-county level are going to be playing the remainder of the season under protest. Why do you feel as though the players have taken this line of action?
8: Um, so the, the players have come out and uh, requested that the GA, the LGFA, the Camogie um, have a, a mandatory squad charter which um, ensures, like, minimum standards for ladies' players. So things like, you know, strength and conditioning, physio training, pitches, things as simple as that, That like, that we're not guaranteed. Now, we are very lucky in Carlo. We have brilliant support from the county board and we have great sponsors on board. And we are quite well supported in Carlo, But that is due to the hard work of our management team and of the county board. Um, and we are just in a really, like, we're in a really good position and we get lots of support. Like, we work hard for it and everybody works hard for it, but are some counties I don't know if you saw in the media like Calvin ladies yeah. footballers had um had like trouble with that and if the, the LGFA and the Camogie introduced this mandatory charter that the men do have from the LGFA or from the GA, sorry um if they introduce that then we were we we're guaranteed every squad is guaranteed those things as a minimum standard um but uh the the GPA released a statement um about Uh, the players wanting this squad charter and there was no response from the CLGFA and the Camogie, I think, wanted to to wait until the merger happens, which is a few years down the line. So it's looking like they're not making any moves towards having this squad charter in 2024, which is what we as the players want. Um, So uh, they, um, as you probably saw, it was Monday morning, there was a, a press release of this playing under protest and, um, yeah, we're looking for a response from the, the LGFA and Komogi in working towards um, implementing that squad charter for 2024 just to ensure minimum standards like that the men get without even having to think about, whereas we have to fight every year for these minimum standards, which just isn't really good enough in this day and age.
4: Yeah, it's interesting that you use the phrase minimum standards because that's exactly what they are. You're not looking for anything out of the ordinary here. Yeah,
8: it's the minimum standards to, to play, like pitch, stuff as simple as pitches and, and physios at training. Like, like we're expected to perform at the elite level um, without elite support in some cases. Now, I will emphasize we are very lucky in Canada. Yeah. Um, I know there is a lot of hard work being done and um, sometimes pitches might be an issue, but... Where we we are usually in a very good position in that way. So it's just it's a collective um, for all counties. So that just to avoid situations like Cavan ladies having to go on strike and the Kildare ladies Camogie team and, and stuff like that. It's just it's a simple thing to enforce the charter that will definitely make a huge difference um, in the strive for equality.
4: Well, Clean, it's always great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us on the show today, and best wishes with the remainder of the championship. I'm sure we'll be chatting to you soon enough anyway.
8: Thanks a million.
0: Thanks for having me. You're very welcome back to Scoreline. Now, anybody that's been listening to the show over the past three years know that I love getting to talk about soccer. And I get such a big buzz when we're talking about and local stories. And one of the biggest heroes there has to be is Mr. Gavin Hoolihan, who's joining me on the line now. Gavin, how are you doing, sir?
9: I'm not too bad, Shane. How
0: things? It's very good. I hope you enjoyed uh, your kind of post-season holiday or anything. You're not getting stuck into pre-season as of yet.
9: Uh, I'm not. No, we'll be back in uh, back in pre-season now tomorrow. Um, back to the, back to the grind. Yeah, but and I had a good uh, good six seven weeks off, so that nah, was brilliant. A uh, bit of rest and recuperation, then before we before we go again.
0: And you've had a good year, not just six or seven, and a good last few years, great career. When I was looking back over, I was doing up an article for scoreline.ie and I was like, wow. Like I remember your journey initially going over to Hull and just been so in awe of seeing someone from Kilkenny do it. I know Gary Breen has done it previously and then Michael Reddy, a hero of mine as well. But to see you go over there and to see what you've become and, and the accolades that you got this year has been tremendous to watch on from afar.
9: Yeah, I look at, obviously I couldn't have uh, couldn't have dreamt for it really to to go much better, So you know, since I've since I've come back over. Um obviously we had spoken before and that was something that I'd wanted to do with giving another crack across the water. So yeah, I'm 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 lucky to be honest, Shane. i I've, I've obviously a lot of hard work has been put in but, you know, you need a bit uh, you know, a bit of luck along your side as well. So um yeah, no, I just I'm just grateful, obviously. I've had had some unbelievable um memories and experience some unbelievable uh, days and achievements over here so hopefully there'll be plenty, plenty more of them to come in the future
0: and I love the, I love the tweet that you put on, put up there after the announcement that I'm going to say but saying I've come a long way from catching splinters on a bench away to Bray Wonders <laughs> you know when you're talking about going over thinking do you, you probably always had that belief in yourself but like when you're you know, catching splinters on a bench away to Bray Wonders you, can you still see that far ahead into the future of what is to come? Or like are you someone who likes to visualize these things?
9: Um, yeah, I suppose. Look, I, I always had belief in myself, and I think a lot of a lot of football is, you know, it's a bit of luck is involved. You know, right place, right time. Obviously, if your face fits with certain managers, and you know, I think you know a lot of a lot of players will, will tell you that it's not as black and white as. You know, if you're good enough, then you'll play. Uh, sometimes it doesn't always come down to that. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of politics in in the game and that. So I've experienced a lot of that over the over my career. Um I always had belief in myself that you know, if I was given opportunities, that I I produce. And I think I've I've showed that whenever I've, you know I have been given opportunities, whether that was back home or or over here. Um, obviously, I had a kind of stop-start time at Cork, um, but then obviously went to Galway. You know. Individually, it went pretty well for me. You know, as a team, it obviously didn't. We ended up getting relegated that season, but went down to Waterford then and had some good success with them. Qualified for Europe. Um, so yeah, I always thought that you know when I'm given the opportunities that that you know I'm more than good enough to you know to take them with both hands. And um, yeah, like you said, probably just visualising that you know if you do get opportunities, like you know what you're going to do at you know at certain moments, and that's you know that's something that's always kind of kept me going over the years.
0: And and talking about the opportunities you had the opportunity to put two in the back of the net of a Premier League side when you went up against Southampton with the penalties and we discussed it previously before but that performance and the performances beforehand and after against Brighton, you know, seven appearances, three goals in total has got you into the FA Cup team of the season. You and Casemiro just absolutely bossing in the middle of the park, getting the ball for Matoma, Mares and Paul Mullen who's making headlines with Rex you know when you get that news are you anticipating it at all or are you kind of like I'm in with a show here or are you just like completely flabbergasted by it
9: no like to be honest I literally had no idea about it it was just one of the lads off the team had had messaged me and said uh, did you see you're up for 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 team of the season I just kind of chuckled to myself uh, FA Cup team of the season I just kind of chuckled to myself and uh, went on Twitter then had a look and as soon as I saw that I was in you know in the vote with, with Kevin De Bruyne I thought oh, I'm not got a hope here <laughs> like so so I basically just to be honest obviously I was on holiday at the time so I just put the phone down and um, yeah then obviously got a, a message a few few hours later saying did you see you're absolutely cruising in the uh, in the vote?" and I just thought Nah you're winding me up surely and then yeah went back on and seeing I was on 60 something percent so um, yes yeah, it's, it's surreal obviously like I said you know Senior, senior name alongside Casimir Obviously, being a big Man United fan, um, wouldn't be a bad partner to have in midfield. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's, it's nice to get that. You know, to get, to get that recognition and just obviously appreciate to you know anyone that's voted for me as well.
0: I hope you had the foresight now to put it in your contract as an extra bonus. <laughs> FA Cup team of the season, twenty grand there, please.
9: I'm not sure. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. But yeah, I might put it in just for future reference, just in case it ever
0: happens again. Yeah. Uh, the season as a whole, though, with Grimsby, you know, I I know it must have taken a lot for you to have left Hartipool after the memories that you helped create there, and you know, you're always going to be a pooley, as you've stated, and a lot of the the fans would state as well. So no doubt it was a tough decision to go to Grimsby, but it seems to have just come around in spades. Considering you know you got goal of the season. Goal of the season against Hartlepool, and I know you probably like you didn't celebrate that, but like it was yeah. a fantastic goal, and you know the FA Cup run as well, and then sustaining the status in the league with Grimsby. You know, it, it, you must look back on the time of Hartlepool with great pleasure, but somewhat happy maybe that you've you've ended up making that transfer to Grimsby. Yeah, obviously
9: I've, I've kind of been on record where obviously. The club obviously, hardly the club, but that means a lot to me. Obviously, gave me my opportunity when I came back across, like so. I'm always, always grateful to you know to, to to a lot of the people there, and you know the fans obviously welcomed me in and stuff. Um, so yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult when when that you know that that move came up to to, to Grimsby, and um, it's a difficult decision obviously to leave. But look, I think sometimes you know you take. You either go left or you go right, and you know one of the roads will obviously lead to a bit of success. And, and thankfully, obviously, I've I, I've chosen the, the right road, and it's, I, it couldn't have gone any better for me since since I've come to the club and I've had massive success. And um, no, I feel massively at home at the club as well. So um, yeah, you just you just got to keep working, and, and hopefully, you know, you can you can keep building on on what we've achieved so far, and, and hopefully, gain gain a bit more of that. Um, you know, those achievements and uh, and those those special memories that, you know, that
0: we've created. Yeah, I, I'd imagine, you mentioned it there, kind of feeling at home there, and, like, I imagine that's a crucial part of being able to perform so well. It's just the comfortability and knowing that you have the fans behind you, the managers behind you, and, you know, you're not going to be pounced on for even a mistake in a game or anything. Do, do you really feel that you've kind of excelled now with the Mariners because of that type of... Love and affection that you're getting from the fans.
9: Yeah, I think any player will obviously tell you that. That it's nice, obviously, to get get that support, obviously, from not only your teammates but obviously, you know, the you know the the, the fans and stuff like that, because it, it gives you it gives you massive confidence, obviously, when you're going out. And I think it, any any footballer will will tell you that you know you play your best football when you're feeling confident and you're feeling feeling loved as such, like so. Um, yeah, it definitely helps, obviously, and but it, that doesn't just come, you know, out of nowhere. You know, you've got to earn that. You've got to earn that respect off, like your teammates, and obviously off the fans as well. You've you've got you got to make sure that you, you earn their respect and give give a hundred percent for for the club. Obviously, that they've they've supported all their lives, and they're kind of paying their hard-earned money to come and come and watch you every week. So. Um, yeah you obviously have to earn it like it's not just given to you and you know i think i've you know i've managed to managed to do that i've had to work hard and you know i've managed to earn Earn that respect, uh, respect and admiration of, uh, of the fans, which is which is always nice.
0: And certainly, uh, like and, and Grimsby have certainly earned the respect off the fellow League Two teams as well. They're very respectable. Eleventh place finish after just coming up from promotion, and we can see how hard it was say for your old club, you know, to sustain in that. Uh, Hartlepool ended up getting relegated this same season. For your team now, what's the thought process? Is it? The promotion. I know you're going in there, maybe with aspirations of promotion, but realistically, are you looking at it going? This is something we can do, whether it be playoffs or or, or win the thing. What what's the aspirations for this season? Uh,
9: yeah, I think going into you not know, last season, um, you know, first and foremost, obviously, you know, the main priority was to kind of consolidate your place in the league, just making sure that you know you stay up. Um, And then, obviously, anything after that is a bonus. So, you know, to finish mid-table and obviously we've had the the FA Cup run added in on top of it, it ended up being a a pretty successful season. Like, it's, you know, um, 11 places isn't a bad finish, really, for a newly promoted team. It gives us good, like a good foundation uh, to push on now next season. So, um, no, I I don't see there's any reason why we shouldn't be aiming for those playoffs uh, minimum, obviously. But don't get me wrong, the, the league is tough. Like, it's, Looking at some of the teams in the league, you know, massive clubs like um, you know who have played in higher divisions and you know would probably have bigger budgets than us as well. So you know we're obviously you know competing with that as well. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be difficult, but no, I've, I've, we've obviously recruited well. We've we brought in some 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 decent quality players as well and added to the to the players we've had last season. So no, I don't think there's. Any reason why we shouldn't have a successful season, hopefully, you know, push on up the table towards those
0: playoffs. I'm hoping, above all else, that you're going to be the villain on Disney Plus when Welcome to Wrexham goes into their next season and Gavin Hoolan is the one to scupper them twice. Home <laughs> <and> away
7: <laughs> I hope
9: so, I hope so. Yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd, be, <laughs> it'd be nice to get on it again. Obviously, we obviously, uh, we burst our bubble, you know, obviously, when when the first season was been uh was being filmed obviously in the in the playoffs last season. So um yeah, that'll be a tasty, uh tasty fixture when it comes round, especially when we go to Wrexham. I think we go to I think it's in September time, so that'll be one to look out for and yeah, hopefully we uh, have the same um, have the same success we had, you know, in the in the playoffs the year before. So yeah, fingers crossed obviously I can be the one to to hand us that.
0: Well, Gavin, thank you ever so much for taking the time to speak with me today. We're watching on from afar, Geraldine, and your auntie is always keeping us up to date on what's happened as well. I think she's heading over to you soon. She was telling us so. You she know, she is,
9: yeah, she was messaging me there the other day, and she was like, "Oh, Shane was Shane gave me a shout out, and <laughs> absolutely loved it. She's probably listening as we speak here. So, uh, yeah, she's going to try get over for the first uh, first game. She's, I think she's uh she's an adopted Mariners fan now. She's <laughs> she's absolutely obsessed with it and. Can't wait to meet meet all the lads that she obviously sees sees on the TV and you know uh, listens to it on the radio and stuff. So now it'll be good obviously to get to get her over and she can experience what it's actually like to be a, to be a mariner firsthand. Yeah,
0: uh, well I hope she brings over a few bags of potatoes and uh, you know denny sausages and all that greatness that oh, you're she missing out here.
9: Much, uh, <laughs> she brings a lot honestly it's, it's
0: crazy crazy Gavin thanks ever so much you're an absolute gentleman for talking to us Just, we, we have you on the Football Manager Football Show as well where you were absolutely ripping it up with hibs for us so thanks very much for, thanks very much for taking the time I wish you nothing but the best and best of luck in your pre-season training sir top
9: man Shen. Top Th- man, a
0: big Thank you very much, Gavin Hulain, ladies and gentlemen. Kenny Starlet, lighting up League Two, lit up the FA Cup, getting in the team of the season. Absolute gentleman to boot. We're going to leave it there and we're going to go to an ad break. Don't go anywhere.
10: Yeah, look, it's, it's been a, a huge learning experience, Ken, for, for all of us on the committee. I mean, some of us never served on the Kilkenny District League Committee before. Um, myself, is in that category uh, but um, you yeah, know we've had a few challenges along the way uh, and we're quite happy that we managed to finish the season after the disruption of, of, of earlier in the in the uh, the campaign um, and we managed to get all the cup finals played off as well so I, I'm glad it was all done and dusted uh, right at the death
11: a <laughs> couple of good uh couple of good performances across kind of league and cup i mean freebooters put together a bit of a run canis has did the double double this year there's more silverware going back to back to evergreen but on a whole uh competitive from what you've seen
10: yeah i i think it has been competitive
11: and i think that will be reflected
10: in the player of the year awards um once we get through those this evening you'll see that it isn't dominated by evergreen and freebooters and there's a huge range of
11: clubs involved this year which which is great to see so talk to me a little bit about about the individual awards because it's it's very easy to see trophies being presented at the end of games and cup trophies and everything else but how how do we arrive at the individual side of things for the season?
10: Yeah, our uh, player of the year awards um are actually voted on by by the clubs in that division. Um so look, there's no better honor than being nominated by your club and then voted on by your peers in that group. Uh, and that's that's how the the players of the year are arrived at currently. We, we are looking at perhaps changing that system in the future. Um, but that, that, that's the way it is at the moment. Any standout moments for you across the season? Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, when I came in uh, as the chairperson, uh, I wanted to see the standard of, of soccer improved in the county. And I have to say that our under-12 boys team, um, the inter-county team, they won uh, – the. the, the only team of that age group that have ever won uh, a cup for the county and they won a local tournament that we held here in evergreen uh, which we were delighted with and then our kennedy cup team it's the first bit of silverware that we've seen uh, for nearly 10 or 12 years so uh, it was a fantastic achievement for them to win the second competition which was the plate Um, and and of course not to mention the girls that they had a tough run in the gainer cup did very very well um, unfortunately, they, they, they didn't quite make it to a final. But, um, look, we're, we're seeing a bit of progress here and, and we're working with the FAI. Will Kinsella in particular here. He's putting a huge amount into, into our inter-county sides. So, so we're greatly appreciative of that.
11: Uh, he was getting good praise. I was up talking with some of the freebooters under 12 girls earlier today. So there seems to be a lot of good stuff happening at, at the very kind of underage level.
10: Yeah. Look, it, it's the grassroots level, Ken, that is so important here. Look we do see the junior side of it dominated by the bigger clubs, obviously uh, they have the bigger numbers, but uh, we're hoping that um, you know in the future some of the the local clubs are, are going to start competing a bit more. I'm certainly seeing it at the the under nines, tens elevens level, where
11: it isn't quite dominated by by a lot of the city clubs. And look, I know, we'll leave it on this, I know that it's, it's a while away yet. You've only just kind of closed the door on this season. There's obviously got to be a bit, a bit of planning and, and things that have to come into place over the summer before you look at the start of next season. Should we expect any any changes? or? Yeah, I
10: mean, I said when I first came in that we were going to look at the junior leagues uh, and we're looking at tightening those up to perhaps three divisions next year. Um, I, I think when you have a division of six or seven teams, um, it's very, very difficult to to give give these fellas fixtures for the whole season. Uh, and there will be times in the year where they might not have a game for six or seven weeks. Um, so we're hoping that now having a bit more competition, some of the teams will find it a bit more difficult because they've got to step up a level, but it, it will only improve them in the long term.
12: Yeah, we had a re- real good season now this season, you know what I mean? The First time in the under 12 competitive league, so they did really well. Like, we're thinking back when Booters, three, four years ago, didn't have a girls' team. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of Jerry Butler, kind of got it going, and we developed from there, but we've massive numbers now built up. They did really well this season, they won the Division One league. They came to the quarter final stage of the SFAI, um, the regional cup as well, they did really well in that. But no, they're a great bunch of players, like they're really doing well this season. It's
11: turning out to be a fairly positive year for the club on the whole. I mean there's, there's massive developments that's going up on the grounds.
12: Yeah, we have now, yeah. We have a state of the art astro just after being finished. So this season now we'll have our own full astro pitch so we can care for even bigger numbers again. So it's great to have that right in the heart of the city.
11: What does the underage structure look like for freebooters right now?
12: Um it is now, it's really built up now. You know what I mean? We've our academies on the Saturday morning and each of the, the boys and the girls get the same from the club give everything to the boss the same there's no problem at all um, the numbers are building all the time like the girls numbers are building and we're hoping with the World Cup we can build again but look we'll always have space for more players to come in anyway Would you have a ballpark on, on how many would be involved at underage um, level? On the underage level we could have on a Saturday morning with the underage academy which is kind of our younger age group there could be 100 something kids there like with the girls alone there's probably at this stage now we have 36 under 12 girls we probably have 20 something under 14 girls and we have massive numbers under 10s so we're growing all the time
11: so as, as they grow and as they get older then do you look into under 16s under 18s do you look at starting earlier or do you work with what you have for the yeah, minute
12: well the hope is to keep building like the hope is to have an under 16 team this season we just need to add a couple more players just to fill that panel mm-hmm. and the hope is that we keep building on back up to the like Boers did have a senior team before and we're hoping to get back to that again like with the, with the women's side as well.
11: And what does it look like then on, on the coaching side? I mean, how many would be involved looking after the underage setup?
12: Um, there is now. We, we're very lucky. We have a lot of good volunteers that come in and help out. So, on Saturday morning, we have huge numbers there with, with volunteers. And then every age group has plenty of help in each age group. Like with the girls now, we've brought on a couple of their female coaches. And each of our new coaches then coming in next year are developing as well. Like So, mm-hmm. we're very lucky. We have like the Kenny FAI with Will Kinslet putting on courses. We're very lucky and we have very qualified coaches within the club. Hey, um,
3: my name is Katie, and I play f- in goal.
11: Okay, Katie, how was the season for you?
3: Uh, Good, and I think everyone improved a lot.
11: What was your favourite moment for the season?
3: Uh, When we won against Dean Celtic. (laughs) Um, Well, when we went up to the Shamrock Rovers match at the end of the season. Uh, I'm Brooke and I play up front.
11: How was the season for you, Brooke?
3: Uh, It went really well with winning the league and um, coming so far in the Cup. I mean, we train hard every week. Um, Yeah I'm looking forward for next season And hoping to win the league again
8: And probably going to be ours again But we hope for the best
11: Can you tell me your name and where do you play on the team?
8: Um, My name is Emma and I play in centre mid Um, You have to work hard And keep on going um, to the backs To help out and forwards Um, And you have to try your hardest In every game
11: And how long have you been playing with freebooters?
8: I'm not sure
11: is is, it, <laughs> is this is this your first year? no, okay, so you've been here a while
8: uh, I think so <laughs>
11: <laughs> two two year two years were told by the coach, so what's it like playing for freebooters?
8: Um, it means a lot And I know Freebooters is the best club You could ever go to So if anyone else wants to join Freebooters um, Feel free to join My name's Abby, and I play right back
11: Defence is a big job Obviously some of the lads have to score goals You've got to make sure that you're stopping them from going in What's it like being a defender?
8: Um, it's really hard But then you kind of get used to it and settle in
11: And how did you find this season?
8: I found it really good
11: what was your favorite part of the season?
8: Um when we went off to Shamrock Rovers. Um it was really fun and it was really big and we just had good crack there.
11: Okay. What would you think was your best match?
8: I had a few good ones, but I probably liked the one in Dean Celtic. Okay,
11: That was your last game of the season, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh,
7: my name is Lavinia and I play left mid.
11: Okay, Lavinia, what's it like playing in midfield?
7: It's really fun, but it's also really tiring because you have to run up and down the pitch.
11: There's a lot of work involved in it. Yeah. How long have you been playing with freebooters?
7: Um, I'd say for the last two years.
11: Outside of the matches, what kind of things have you, have you done with freebooters? What keeps bringing you back?
7: Um, all my friends and freebooters
11: Have you a favourite match from over the year?
8: Um, Not really, no, I like them all. to be honest My name's Lucy and I play left back
11: You're the other side of the defence, what's it like being a defender?
8: Uh, it's good, you have to try your best and work really hard to stop all the goals
11: And did you get to stop many of them this year? Yeah <laughs> What was it like to get the cup?
8: Uh, really good, yeah
11: And what's playing with freebooters like?
8: It's very fun, I made loads of friends here and yeah <laughs> I'd want to win the league again and hopefully the cup as well. My name's Lauren and I play right mid. Okay
11: Lauren, what's it like playing in midfield?
8: Um, yeah it's good and you have to like run the pitch a lot
11: oh, what's your favourite thing about playing with freebooters
8: um, well the friends I have and
7: it's just a good club
11: how about, how about the coaches they, uh, they're they looking after you and drilling you well
7: yeah i have a really good coach
11: and what about you then for, for next season do you think freebooters will go on and win it all again
7: yeah well I hope so. so
11: Alan Summer is in school is out a lot of activities. People are looking to do something. What? What do freebooters do for the summer?
12: Um, well, as a group, this white squad now will move on. They'll play a tournament in Mead. They're invited up to Kells. Uh, Kells Youth have organised a, a girls only tournament. It's their first time doing it, so we got an invite to go up to that. So the girls will have one or two training sessions. Then we'll go up. Now it's a full days activity, so they have five matches across the day. So and then depending how they go on the competition, whether they develop into a final or semi final or shield. So it's a great day out for them. It's an opportunity for them too. And that's again freebooters as a club. The boys have done it for years and now the girls are getting a chance to come through into it, Like so they'll develop all that Um, there's also looking at other things for the older girls in the group so as the club booters have always gone to Barcelona with their older girls, so the idea now is that these bunch of girls will get the same opportunity to follow through.
11: We've heard from some of the girls um, about what it means for them to play free booters and friendships and everything that grows and if people want to go and join the club that they should look at it if people have no idea about joining a football club and they hear this what's what's the pro- What's the approach
12: what's the, what's the best way to approach yeah like as a club we're always open to new players coming in we'll always welcome new players in there's a level for everyone we're, we're very lucky with the numbers we have that we can introduce a second team if we keep to growing the way they are so if anyone wants to get in touch through the Facebook if they know any of the coaches if they want to drop down to the club if they see something going on just ask for myself or our secretary or anyone like that and they'll put us in touch and we'll get them into the club there's no problem at all we actually have our summer camp coming up as well so anyone that's new to the game can come in join our summer camp it's a real relaxed atmosphere. It's a very good week for the girls and boys to enjoy and it's a great way to get into the club.
11: Oh, booters!
0: <laughs> That's been Scored on Extra. You can hear the show every weekend live from 2 to 6 on Saturday and Sunday on KCLR. Our warm-up begins with Robbie Dylan on Fridays from 6 o'clock while the warm-down is on full-time with Martin Quilty at 6 on Mondays. I've been Shane O'Keefe. Stay safe and stay sane. Remember, you're so out.